AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. First and goal. Take the handoff. Pass in the middle. Kelsey's reaching for the goal line. And he's shoved across. Oh, my gosh. Now they're up with arms. Touchdown, Kansas City. And number 50 between those two. It's 27 consecutive completions from Mahomes to Travis when he's been targeted, which is remarkable. Barring some sort of penalty or lost yardage, he's thinking, we got three downs here to get four yards. See A.J. Brown, he's kind of tucked in behind the right side of the offensive line. Hurts keeps it. A.J. Brown makes a move, and he's in for the touchdown. First down for the 25. Four-point lead. Tony Jones in the backfield for the Cardinals off the play fake. Murray has time. He's looking long again. He's looking for Hollywood Brown, and it is intercepted. Derek Stingley making his mark. Outside to Bryant. Bryant spins his way across the 40, a foot race. There goes Bryant into the clear. Gary Bryant, touchdown, Ducks. A former SC Trojan in space, and he does the rest. A little spin cycle, the first would-be tackler. Speed to the edge, and then cuts it back through one more arm tackle, and he's gone. And with all that... Offensive absence to be seven and three. Oh, blocks for six. Arizona special teams smothering the punt. Anthony Ward. Infinite in motion and falling down is Eckler. The ball popping out loose on the turf at the five-yard line. Packers think they have it. Who comes up with it at the bottom of the pile? Green Bay does. And the Chargers cough it up at the five. Here's Bryce Young. He's got time here. And he throws and it's intercepted. It's Deron Blanding again. Bland looking for another pick six and he's got it. It's his fourth of the year. Calm. Touchdown, Michigan. Just like that, Wolverines respond. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Monday, November 21st edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores. This will be November 20th, right? November 20th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KUSAM 1060, Chiefs Eagles, who you got tonight? The Cardinals, how much uh, should Kyler Murray be blamed for the loss on Sunday? The Sun Devils, why were they total no shows in two of the last three weeks? The Wildcats, what's the biggest reason they have eight wins? The Chargers, ah, boy, here we go. It's a Monday. They lost. They blew a fourth-quarter lead. So should Brandon Staley be fired this week? And what else caught your eye since our last show? What else caught your eye basically from the football weekend? 
Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. At 10.15, we will have a Chiefs and Eagles preview with Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest, most anticipated game of the season to date in the NFL. 10.30, interactive action at 602-260-1060 and also the local roundup. That includes some Cardinals and Texans analysis. Final segment of the sports zone. It'll be the national roundup. That'll be topped by, you know, some, uh, you know, lots of stuff, including from the wire, a lot of things going on in the NFL and college football over the weekend. We'll get to as much of that as we possibly can. Meanwhile, uh, after the sports zone, it'll be uh, from 11 to 1 o'clock. It'll be the extra point hosted by Kayla. That includes more phone call time. Right now, onto the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. We start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is Who you got tonight? ATS at Kansas City. Chiefs minus two and a half, or the Eagles plus two and a half. And uh, more on that number in just a couple of seconds. But Kayla's here and has the early returns. Eagles plus two and a half at 56% of the vote. Chiefs minus two and a half at 44%. Most casinos worldwide have the uh, Chiefs minus two and a half, but you got to lay some juice. Even though there are a couple of threes popping up this morning, especially in the state of Nevada. So you know, for them to get off, a bookmaker to get off of a two and a half and move that to three, that's a really big deal. That means a whole lot of money on the uh, Chiefs, at least in the last uh, you know couple of days here for sure. All right, both teams coming off of uh, buys heading into this game tonight, so that's a good thing, too. Uh, unfortunately, both teams have some injuries that you know didn't heal over the buys, but we'll figure that out later. Today's Twitter poll question, should Kyler Murray receive the majority of the blame for the Cardinals' 21-16 loss at Houston? And, Kayla, what's going on here? No, 70% of the vote, yes, trailing at 30%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Murray definitely was not good during the fourth quarter with the game on the line. A combination of inaccurate throws, some questionable decisions. There was certainly some play-calling issues between the sideline and Kyler Murray. There was a lot going on in that fourth quarter, and not a whole lot of it was, uh, or hardly any of it was good for the Cardinals' side of things. Meanwhile, also on the local front, ASU had no chance on uh, – on Saturday, uh, no chance is actually a compliment. They trailed 42-0 at halftime against Oregon, a game in which several defenders seem to lack the desire to make a tackle. Uh, why has ASU been a total no-show in two of the last three games? A 55-3 loss at Utah and the 49-13 home loss to Oregon. ASU, uh, you know, that didn't go well for them, and they play the U of A this week. The U of A won easily on Saturday. They led 28-0 seven seconds into the second quarter in route to the 42-18 victory over Utah. What's the biggest reason the U of A is 8-3 heading into the season finale on Saturday against ASU? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, it's the day after a Chargers loss. They blew another fourth-quarter lead which means Brandon Staley is on watch again. Should the Chargers say goodbye to head coach Brandon Staley another day after another agonizing loss? 
I should just like put this into my Monday file every week. And uh, when they lose, we just use this question every week until they finally figure it out and fire him. Meanwhile, NFL Sunday also included the Lions fourth quarter rally and easy wins uh, by the 49ers, by the Cowboys and the Bills. Saturday's college football slate was topped by Washington winning to Oregon State. Unfortunately, the headline news really was Jordan Travis, the horrific leg injury that he suffered in Florida State's latest victory. And uh, it was a third consecutive week in which there were zero losses from the top eight teams in the college football playoff standings. What else caught your eye from the NFL and college football weekend? That's the pipeline for today. We have to always spend this topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by Chiefs and Eagles preview. Scheduled to be joined by Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest. Might be some inclement weather tonight in Kansas City. Hopefully not, but it seems to be there's going to be, it's not going to be balmy or pleasant and great, but uh, we'll get into that. More importantly, I will talk about the Chiefs season to date and get into some of the matchups for tonight's Chiefs and Eagles contest. Once again, at the bottom of the hour to be phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060. And also we'll get to some local roundup topped by Cardinals and, uh, and Texans analysis. Uh, from Sunday afternoon, well, morning slash afternoon, our time. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7. downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KTUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7, your home of the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. 7-2 Chiefs host the 8-1 eight and, eight and Eagles tonight in the uh, most anticipated NFL regular season game this year, at least to this point. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports zone by Mac Derrick of Chiefs Digest. Matt, always good to have you on the show. Uh, I mentioned uh, Chiefs uh, a couple losses so far this season. Those two losses, the opening game against the Lions without Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones, and then they lost at Denver when Patrick Mahomes was battling illness. You've watched every snap. You're around this team all the time. So how would you describe the Chiefs' season to date? Yeah, it, you know, they've surprisingly gotten to this point in a way that we didn't expect them to. You normally would think that the, the Chiefs are going to be 7-2. and two. It's because um, Mahomes is having an MVP season and the offense is, is uh, just on clock. Work. But that's not how they've got there. They've gotten there because of the defense. The defense, the number one scoring defense in the league this year. And the offense has been off. It's, 
it's certainly as they're going through some growing pains with a young wide receiver group. They've had some changes at the tackle position on the offensive line, and they're still kind of figuring everything out. But that defense at this point has allowed them the time and the luxury to do that. Okay, so we'll get into the defense in a couple of minutes, I promise. Uh, first up, let's start with the offense. They entered uh, this week 15th league-wide in points per game after they were first last year. How much of this is wide receivers that can't catch the ball in uh, the offensive line? I think it's safe to say that has not that group hasn't played to the level it did a year ago. Yeah, you know, the, the 25 drops, they lead the league, so that has certainly been an issue. But it hasn't been the only issue. They've also turned over the football, which is, once again, normally not a problem, but drops have played a role in that as well. Uh, Mahomes will probably tell you that he's been holding on to the football a little bit too long. The coaches will tell you that. Um, some of that has been, you know, a little bit of the offensive line being out of kilter. And penalties have been a big problem for this offensive line. You know, Jawan Taylor got a lot of uh, attention early because of the, the false start penalties and some shift penalties and lining up in the backfield. But really, it's been holding penalties that have been the bigger problem for this team. They're one of the most penalized teams in the league when it comes to offensive holding penalties. And that stems back to, I think, just the timing and the chemistry of this group. You know, with having Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor new at the tackle position, um, they provide a different pocket for Mahomes than he's used to. And he's had, I think, a little bit of adjustment getting used to that. So the Chiefs offensively will tell you, coaches and players alike, that if they eliminate mistakes, they cut down the penalties, they cut down the turnovers, they eliminate the drops, that everything is going to be just fine. Now, they just need to prove that they can do it, but that's their that's their goal for the second half of the season. Which wide receiver do you think is most likely to eventually become the guy, so to speak? Yeah, that that that's a really key question because, you know, looking at that room, you know, you ask yourself, is there a 1,000-yard receiver in that group right now? And I think you'd have to say right now, no. Uh, there's nobody that's on the back of their football card as they've been that in the past, like a Marquez Valdez-Scantling or a, a just get into the guys like Sky Moore, but the one I'm going to circle is, is Rasheed Rice. He's a rookie this year, but uh, right now Patrick Mahomes has the best passer rating when he's targeting Rasheed Rice. His biggest problem has been drops, but he seems to be cutting those down, and there's no doubt. I mean, he runs – when he gets the football, he runs like a running back. He's a big guy. He's got a lot of speed, and the Chiefs seem to be finding ways to get into football, and, and he is a, a learning to adjust to – to Mahomes and the kind of adjustments that Mahomes can make on the fly, and that's a key for a receiver. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, that's the guy that the Chiefs are going to try to target in the second half. I think he's going to have a big second half of the season, and he, I think he needs to. I think that's the guy that they really need to see that they want to get that receiver group jump-started. Okay, I realize this is Andy Reid's show on offense, but do they miss Eric Bieniemy at all? I think it's a reasonable question because, you know, one thing and uh, two things I will say that Eric Bannaby brought to this offense was, I think, accountability and intensity. And not saying that the current coaching staff doesn't have that accountability, but Eric Bannaby, that was kind of his job. I mean, he was the one that really got in guys' faces, and he was the one that, you know, when guys were making mistakes, he would hold them accountable. But he was also the, the you know, the, the really run-through-a-brick-wall mentality of that offense. And I think he was a big part of the run game as well. Um, that's one thing that the, the Chiefs have really just had a consistency issue with has been, you know, establishing the run and running the football effectively. And obviously that was Eric Bieniemy's thing. 
So I, I think there is. And, you know, and also it's not even just that, but other losses too. You know, they've got a lot of young coaches, you know, like Connor Embry, a wide receiver. They, they brought in Todd Pinkston as a running backs coach this year. They've got a lot of young and inexperienced coaches on the offensive staff that I think are still kind of getting their feet wet. You know, coming off the bye week, uh, you know, there's self-scouting and all that uh, lot, you know, pretty much all around the league and so forth. But do you expect any changes with either the scheme, play calling, or, you know, basically personnel? Yeah, I, I, one thing I'm really expecting, and I'll, I'll be interested to see if they implement it tonight, is that I think they want to get rid of the ball more quickly. You know, Patrick Mahomes for the first half of the season – his time to throw has been the longest of his career. And it's not substantial, but it's enough that I, I think you've seen what happens. You know, certainly when Patrick extends plays with his feet, good things usually happen. Um, but this year it's been a little bit different. I mean, he, he's been buying time, but, you know, with the way the defenses are playing them in these zone defenses, it's more likely that the longer he holds onto the football, there's just simply not going to be anybody open. If the Chiefs want to break up these zones that they're seeing, they really need to be able to establish the run and establish the short passing game. And if they can do those two things and get the ball to some of their playmakers like Kadarius Tony, like Sky Moore, like Rasheed Rice, uh, I think that's the way that they've got to go to, to, to beat these zone coverages that they're seeing. And I, I think we'll probably, I think we will probably see the, as a, at least the evolution of that Monday night. Mac Derrick of Chief John Jess, currently in the sports zone. Okay, let's flip it to the other side of the ball. The defense has gone from 13th in uh, yards per game allowed last season to first this season. Why has this group improved so much in uh, less than a calendar year? Yeah, I think that the, the biggest reason that everybody in that room seems to point to is just the continuity. Uh, you know, consistently under Steve Spagnuolo, they've had a lot of new faces every single year. Remember last year they had five rookies we're really playing a lot of key snaps for them, starting for them even. Uh, this year, everybody's back. Uh, you're really the only new starter to a degree is, is Brian Cook at, at safety, and even he was the third safety last year and played a lot. Um, having Justin Reed in this system another year, having a Nick Bolton, uh, you know, even though he's been banged up, he's been a big part of it. I, I think you can't overlook the one new face that they've gotten, Drew Tranquil. That That is just a savvy veteran that is so reliable and has done a great job filling in for Bolton with the injuries. Um, but this group, because of the continuity, they understand Steve Spagnuolo's system better, and they're able to play faster. And in fact, even it goes down to the you know the second-year guys like Trent McDuffie and fourth-year guys like Legarius Sneed. I mean, those those two have also been key to this whole operation. And it's, it's, it's been, I think, impressive just the, the jump in one year that this group, and especially that young core that came in in kind of the 2022 draft, has been able to take. Chris Jones wasn't on the field from the end of last season and the Super Bowl victory here in the, in the Valley against the Eagles until week two. How would you evaluate Jones's 2023 season to date? Yeah, he really looked strong when he got back. You know, uh, I think he had a sack in the you know, first five games once he got back. Um, yeah, I was curious to see at some point if that wall would hit him, you know, as far as not having any training camp. He certainly didn't show any rust from it, which kind of wondered if maybe, you know, it would catch up to him at some point. I don't know if that's been the case. He, he hasn't been as at least numbers-wise productive in the last few games. Um, but, you know, he is still an absolute constant threat. I mean, that's, that's the one thing. This group right now is leading the league in sacks, and a big reason for it is 
that, you know, he is that one guy that every team has to pay attention to. And, and other guys like George Karloftis, like Mike Dana, are getting a lot of one-on-one matchups, and, and they're winning those. So um, even Chris Jones, when he's not putting up numbers, he is still creating havoc that creates opportunities for the other guys. You mentioned defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo. Uh, how do you expect him to try to attack the Eagles' offense tonight? Yeah, you know, I, I would imagine it's going to be a little bit of classic Steve Spagnolo. I mean, a, a lot of what they did in the Super Bowl, the one thing that he always does concentrate whenever you've got a mobile quarterback and an athletic guy back there is really just to make sure that doesn't beat you with his leg, that you can contain him in the pocket and get some pressure on him. Uh, there will be some blitzing. It, it won't be constant. They will take their, you know, their shots, but you will. They will absolutely find ways to get some pressure and to disrupt the timing of that Eagles offense. Um, the other thing is really going to be keys. You know, those two cornerbacks I talked about with Lajarius Sneed and Trent McDuffie. Um, Sneed has consistently been following the best receiver on a team all season. So I'd expect Sneed to be following AJ Brown. It means probably Trent McDuffie will be on Devontae Smith a lot. Or, so, you know, those, those are going to be two key guys. And so far this season, I mean, the Chiefs have effectively taken out number one receivers on every team. If Sneed can do that again to A.J. Brown, this defense has a, has a chance. And, you know, I know this was a 38-35 game in, in Super Bowl 57, but I really think it's going to be a lower-scoring contest than that. I, I think it'll probably be a battle in the 20s. And the key reason why is just because I think that both these defenses, especially the Chiefs defense, is a lot better than it was in February. Previewing the Eagles and Chiefs game tonight with Mac Derrick from Chiefs Digest. Okay, now back to the let's flip this back to the offense tonight. Uh, you got you know, Kevin Byard's now with the Eagles. Uh, he and Travis Kelsey had some interesting battles in uh, Byard's days in Tennessee. How do you uh, analyze that matchup tonight? Yeah, and if the Eagles are like everybody else, it's smart. I mean, it won't be won't be Byard all alone. I mean. Travis Kelsey is going to get plenty of attention. He's going to get double coverage, probably even triple coverage a few times. And, and that's why, you know, hey, Kelsey will most likely get his yards. There's, there's times when, you know, and Miami did a really good job of taking him out of the game the last time that the Chiefs played. But usually, eventually, especially on big stages like this, Kelsey's going to get his yards. Um, what you just got to watch out for is, you know, whether somebody else is going to step up and whether you pay too much attention to Travis Kelsey that all of a sudden – another receiver gets hot or you allow Isaiah Pacheco to go off for 100 yards, that's the danger when you overcommit to, to going after Kelsey. So, yeah, let's let's see how it goes. But you're right. I mean, Bayard has played, played Kelsey tough in the past, but it's too big of a matchup for one guy. So I, I would imagine you're going to see plenty of bracket coverage on Kelsey. It's how the rest of this offense responds to, the, to help out because so far it's been Travis Kelsey or, or, or nothing for this offense most of the season. You mentioned the Chiefs, uh, you know, really getting to the quarterback this year. The Eagles led the world in sacks last year, but had zero sacks in that Super Bowl game. How do you view the Kansas City offensive line, which we briefly touched upon against the Eagles' defensive front tonight? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a two different stories. You know, on the interior, that's where the, the Chiefs really have their strength. That that section from Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, I mean, that is one of the, I think, strongest interiors in the league. Um, the challenge has been the tackles on the outside, and, you know, especially in pass protection. They feel like, you know, that their run, run blocking has been pretty solid. There's a few things they can clean up, but... The pass protection has been the issue. And as a result, you know, Patrick Mahomes has had to try and buy a lot of time. He's had to escape some pockets. 
it, they haven't yielded a lot of sacks, but a lot of that is on Mahomes. And, and so I, I'm really intrigued to, to see how they do kind of – it took the bye week to, to respond to everything, that, all the changes that they want to implement in the passing game because the, the tackles are a big part of it. You know, the Eagles got uh, you know, some personnel issues. Obviously, uh, Goddard's out of this game because of an injury. And, uh, you know, Barnett left the team. Uh, you know, they announced yesterday that he's left the team for personal reasons. Uh, so he's out indefinitely. As far as the Chiefs, any key injuries we should be looking for? Uh, you know, when the inactives come out, you know, 90, minute, 90 minutes before game time, who should we be paying attention to? Yeah, really a remarkably clean group. Um, everybody was a full participant in practice this past week, so um, not really expecting there to be any questionable issues. The only really one that's out there is a wide receiver, Richie James, that they activated uh, back to the 53 from injured reserve on Saturday. Uh, he is listed as questionable, and Andy Reid suggested on Saturday that he probably wouldn't play tonight. You know, We will see. Um, but this is a remarkably healthy group. I mean, Mahomes has been dealing with a couple of things, but he was not on the injury report this week. So this should be a, a fully healthy Mahomes and even a reasonably healthy Kelsey coming into this game, which the Chiefs really haven't had at all for the most part, most of this season. Yeah, I'm guessing most teams would like to have that situation right now. Yeah, 10, 11 weeks into the season, that's pretty amazing. All right, so in in addition, what what are some matchups that you're paying attention? You're going to be paying attention to tonight that we should be paying attention to. Yeah, I I I think I hit the biggest one for me that that Snead and McDuffie versus Brown and and Smith I think Mm -hmm. is going to be an absolutely epic matchup. I'm really intrigued to see how that goes, Um, especially McDuffie in the slot. I mean, he's he's been a real surprise there at just how quickly he's been able to adapt and. His ability to switch inside and outside has been really impressive. Um, the guy who defensively watched for the big plays is going to be Justin Reed. Um, he is really playing, I think, the best football of his career right now. He is so comfortable in the Steve Spagnuolo system, really relishes the responsibilities that he's been getting. And he, he can play anywhere. I mean, they use him exactly the same way that the Chiefs used to use Tyron Matthew. And he can be on the back end. He can be in coverage. They will use him on blitzes. That's, that's a key guy for me to watch. And then uh, offensively, I mean, outside the stars, if there's two guys that really have a, a big game tonight, I think it's Isaiah Pacheco and Rashia Rice. If, if those two, two guys have big numbers, then I think it's a good night for the Chiefs offense. Okay, I checked the weather thing a few minutes ago. Uh, weather report, not the weather thing. <laughs> uh, 40 deg- 41 degrees and drizzle tonight. Drizzle. Uh, does that alter your uh, opinion of tonight's game at all? I've, I've, I've been just trending downward on my score from, I think, all week. And, and I've, I've been thinking that this, this, the intangibles are just going to favor the Eagles. And the, the weather might play into that, too. I mean, I think this is going to be a like, lower-scoring game than, than maybe we all expect, and certainly lower-scoring than the Super Bowl. Um, the field conditions will probably play into that. It should be kind of wet, a little bit sloppy. Um, the Eagles, I'm sure their pass rush will say that it will still be better field conditions than they had in, in Phoenix for the Super Bowl. So I'm sure they'll think their footing will still be better than it was then. Um, but yeah, it is, it's going to be a it's going to be a fall night in Kansas City. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm unfortunately out in my car right now looking at it, and it's I think 43 and drizzle right now. So uh, we're just kind of getting a preview of what it's going to be for tonight. Okay, so you mentioned your score. So what do we have? 
Yeah, I've I've been leaning to, toward a 27-24 Eagles win. I, I, I guess I'm going to stick with it. I still think it might be less scoring than that. And I, I really I, – I, I feel very, very weird going against Andy Reid coming off a of bye because he is so good. But, I, you know, I think this is absolutely a game that the Eagles won a little bit more than the Chiefs. Uh, I think that these two teams, there's a reasonable chance they're going to face again this season in February, and if that's the case, you know, this is one of those things. I mean, Andy Reid would fight me for saying this because he, he's never going to, you know, hold back in a game trying to win it. But at the same time, he's he's in it for the long run, not the short run. And if, if he thought that, that holding back a trick or anything that he could use to set up a, a second game down the road would help him win the Super Bowl, he would absolutely do it. So uh, I think if they meet again later – I'll probably take the Chiefs, but tonight I'm, I'm taking the Eagles. Matt, always pleasure talking to you. I'm sure we'll catch up with you later in the season. Thanks much. Always great, Bob. Take care. All right, next segment. That's Matt Derrick, of course, from Chiefs Digest, so check out all his work. Next segment, phone call time if you want to jump aboard, 602-260-1060, and also a little local roundup that will include some uh, Cardinals and Texans analysis from Sunday. And time pending, we might get into a little ASU. Not a lot to get in other than a little ASU, quite frankly. And uh, some U of A from the weekend and their demolition of Utah and Tucson. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. Show Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's local roundup. We're back to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time if you want to jump aboard. 602 260 1060. If you want to get in, we got time and room for you right now. Meanwhile, let's get to some local roundup here. The Cardinals lost on Sunday at Houston, and I mean lost. Uh, the offense squandered many chances in the 21-16 loss. The offense one touchdown after an impressive opening drive touchdown. Kyler Murray was the quarterback that was average throughout the majority of the Cliff Kingsbury era. He missed on some easy throws, key throws, and made some interesting decisions. There was also communication issues with the sidelines during the road game, the first road game for Murray since he came back, first road game in the new offense for Murray uh, away from Glendale, and I think uh, all that part should not be terribly surprising. I think that was just uh, that's part of the deal. I mean, he didn't play, didn't do anything, obviously wasn't a, a participant in the offense until three weeks ago in practice, and we don't know exactly how much he did then. Uh, but really, he had multiple passes that were, you know, I mentioned some inaccuracies, decision-making, and then he had several passes. I counted three, sometimes hard to tell on TV, much easier to tell when you're at a game live, and I wasn't in Houston. 
uh, but at least three de- uh, passes deflected at the line of scrimmage, something that we have seen with frequency during uh, you know the uh, you know, first three years of his career during the Kingsbury era. Also, the Cardinals' offensive line continues to get beaten in pass protection. On Sunday, the Cardinals struggled versus Houston. Houston blitzed with far more frequency than most of the Cardinals' opponents have done this season because most Cardinals' opponents this season have not decided that they had to blitz because the Cardinals, and this was the case again yesterday, still have substantial problems against the most basic you know, line, defensive line stunts and so forth, and that happened again yesterday. Specifically, right tackle Paris Johnson, another below-average pass-blocking game. He had a nice stretch there after that opening game against Washington where he was just basically singed and torched. But he had some good games after that, but lately his pass protection has been an issue. On the defensive side of the ball, the Texans became the latest opponent that appeared to completely just target Marco Wilson, who was supposedly the Cardinals' best corner. The uh, Cardinals' defense in the first half allowed 21 points and 259 yards passing to Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud. A large chunk of that was directed direct, you know, basically right at Wilson. Meanwhile, though, the Cardinals' defense in the second half allowed zero points, seemed to play more zone. Also, Stroud had just 77 yards passing and two interceptions, one of those against a zone that he completely misread. Uh, those two, two, two interceptions were both in Cardinals' territory. Uh, son, by the way, Stroud's three-pick game yesterday is the first time he's ever three, thrown three picks in an NFL game, obviously. And also, he never threw a three. Uh, he never had a three-pick game in college in his two years as a starter at Ohio State. On the injury front, Kaiser White, uh, arguably, I don't even think it's arguably. He's been the Cardinals' best defender this season. Unfortunately, leaving in the second half because of injury, he did not return. The bottom line: the Cardinals are now zero and five on the road this season, and they have lost eight straight road games heading back to last season. Up next, uh, the Cardinals, a small home underdog on Sunday in Glendale against the Rams, who were extremely fortunate to win yesterday. And if Geno Smith had not been injured for the Seahawks yesterday, I'm guessing the Rams would not have won yesterday. ASU did not compete. I don't say that lightly. I say that only when I mean it. They did not compete against Oregon. They weren't going to win, but they did not compete. Bo Nix in the first half had 396 yards and six touchdown passes. That's in the first half. ASU's tackling was atrocious, and I'm not exaggerating here. I was thinking about this while I was watching it. That might have been the worst tackling of any college football team I've seen this season, nationally. The only other game I could think of was Miami of Florida and Texas A&M when both teams didn't tackle. That game was in early September. Uh, But the tackling... It was so bad that I wondered more than occasionally whether ASU defenders really had any desire to make a tackle in that game, especially on some plays in space. It wasn't just missed tackles because of the elusive Oregon receivers. That was part of it, but they had guys that looked like they just didn't want to make a tackle. Maybe ASU was looking ahead to this Saturday scheme, the season finale against the U of A. But there is zero excuse for what seemed to be a lack of effort uh, from ASU against Oregon. 
On the other side of the ball, ASU quarterback Trenton Borgay. He has one touchdown pass this season, season, the whole season, in 248 attempts. There is no legitimate reason for that because ASU actually has some good receivers. In fact, you can make a case that ASU's receiving group, including the tight end group, is the strength of their team. The dude has one touchdown pass in 248 attempts. Not good. Meanwhile, down south, the U of A, U of A is still alive to play in the Pac-12 championship game. Now, Washington clinched a spot in the championship game with its win on Saturday over Oregon State. The conference championship game opponent will either be the U of A or Oregon. Oregon is in if it wins on Friday against Oregon State in the Civil War, probably the last Civil War until who knows. They're not playing next year. Uh, Meanwhile, the U of A is in the championship game with a win over ASU and an Oregon loss to Oregon State. ASU, uh, excuse me, the U of A on Saturday in its uh, final home game against Utah, they led 28 to nothing, 17 seconds into the second quarter. Noah Fafita, he's on, he was really good again. How this guy was not the starting quarterback to begin the season is just completely inexplicable. He is far better than Jaden Delora. He had 177 yards uh, passing and two touchdowns in the first half. According to Pac-12 Networks, uh, Fafita is one of five starting quarterbacks in the country, completing at least 70% of his passes since October the 1st. That's an amazing figure. I knew it was really a high percentage of completions, but that that's impressive. And the fact that he's only one of five, according to the Pac-12, in the whole country, uh, not that surprising because I, I wouldn't think there was too many. You know, obviously, Bo Nix is another one of those guys. Uh, but uh, Fafita has been tremendous. Uh, there's also zero doubt this year that the U of A is winning because of Johnny Nance's defense, which had seven sacks against, albeit a depleted you know Utah offensive line. Uh, but still, the fact that the U of A couldn't get a sack for seemingly several years quite frankly or when you did they did get a sack you kind of went whoa there's a sack for a UVA team uh and you were surprised uh but that defense is really good and their special teams obviously with the black punt in the second quarter which gave that block punt and their touchdown in the second quarter which gave them a 14 point lead was a really big deal on Saturday one other item here until I get to the next one other item uh you know basically uh there was a report somewhere, and I never exactly saw where, uh, but uh, after the game, Jed Fish was asked about this report that he's uh, supposedly a candidate for the Michigan Statehood coaching opening, uh, which he denied, and you would expect him to deny that even you know, no matter what, uh, if, he didn't, if he was actually interested in it and didn't get the job. He's still got to recruit for the U of A, et cetera, so I never really get uh, – too worked up about a coach denying a head coaching uh, report that he might be going somewhere else. But, you know, what's he supposed to say? Yeah, I'm going to leave the second I can. Hopefully they offer me the job. Yeah, the next coach, head coach that says that, uh, other than like Lane Kiffin, is probably the first head coach that has ever said that. Meanwhile, one other final item here. The University of Arizona has financial issues as a school, something we talked about briefly last week. I want to know 
How much money did they blow on the hideous new uniforms that they wore on Saturday night? I've watched a large majority of the U of A football games. All of them, for the most part, are pretty close. Yeah, a large chunk of them. Since 1969, I've seen some really bad uniforms. They've had some awful combinations. The uniforms they wore on Saturday were the absolute worst I've ever seen the U of A wear in a football game. And they spent God knows how much money on that, and the university has financial issues? Okay. Coming up next, we'll have a news update with uh, Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's show with the National Roundup. That'll include uh, some uh, from the wire and rip from the headlines items and a little grapevine in some sports from the weekend. We'll also get to the updated line in tonight's NFL game, which, as I mentioned earlier in the hour, the uh, Chiefs uh, three-point favorite in a couple of Nevada casinos as of like uh, roughly 8 o'clock this morning. I'll double-check that here in a couple of moments during the break and uh, give you the update on that. Don't forget the extra point hosted by Kayla coming up next between 11 and 1 o'clock. And uh, we'll get to a you know large chunk of the football weekend, college and or pro, local and or national. Right now, you're still, thank God for you, and we appreciate it, listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and Castlex HD2 100.7. Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. Monday Night Football, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. We previewed the game earlier this hour with Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest. And the threes that were popping up a couple hours ago in Las Vegas have vanished, even though... There are now two and a half with uh, you know several places laying minus 120 on the juice. So there's a lot well, of action on this game, I would assume, and I don't know this for sure. I'm just kind of maybe speaking out of turn here. I'm guessing this will be the highest handled game as far as uh, you know casino you know, volume in uh, sportsbook volume in the NFL to this uh, point this season and maybe the entire season. Uh, you know, obviously a standalone game on a Monday night gets a lot of uh, play anyway, but this is going to get more play than most. All right, quickly, from the uh, rip from the headlines and from the wire from the NFL, uh, Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers reportedly targeting a Christmas Eve return. That's a home game against Washington. Also, the Jets supposedly want to reunite Rodgers and, uh, and uh, yeah, wide receiver Devontae Adams next season. Also heard from the grapevine, the Bears supposedly will remain with or keep uh, you know, starting quarterback Justin Fields in 2024. The Bears should move on from Fields personally. I think we've seen enough of Fields, plus he gets hurt frequently. Uh, and that happened in college where he got hurt frequently. And uh, you know they should go after one of the highly ranked quarterbacks in the upcoming 2024 NFL draft class. Meanwhile, on the coaching front, uh, front Frank Reich, is uh, in one-and-done danger that, according to Jay Glazer, who is not one of those hot-take media people, uh, so to hear that from him, uh, I think that got my, my attention more than it would have been somebody else. 
College football, Washington and Washington State expected to continue their series next season, even though obviously they're not going to be in the same conference. Colorado quarterback Shadir Sanders, unfortunately we talked about this all year long. He's been hit a lot. Well, he got hurt and had to leave the game on Friday night, the blowout loss to Washington State because of an injury to his passing hand. Uh, the Buffs, by the way, as we anticipated a few weeks ago, they are not going to make a bowl game this year. Uh, they are now ineligible as far as they don't have enough wins to get there. And they're not going to be above 500. Former U of A assistant coach Dino Babers will not remain the Syracuse head coach. 41-55 and 55 in eight years. He had plenty of time to do better and improve the program. Team uh, maxed out in uh, 2019 and never really seemed to get any better after that. Or actually you can say regressed after that. On the other side of the things, uh, the uh, Arkansas administration has apparently told Sam Pittman and the players that Pittman will return next season. That's a mistake, but hiring him was a mistake. Meanwhile, from college football to MLB, Aaron Nola will stay with the Phillies. He agreed to a seven-year, $172 million contract over the weekend. Nola and his representation really played the market perfectly especially after Friday when speculation was when the Braves basically traded 40% of their starting rotation. Speculation was that Nolan was going to end up with the Braves. Uh, Maybe they used that properly. Maybe they didn't. But if they did, they would have done the right thing. Uh, Maybe they used that uh, rumor to get a uh, better deal from the Phillies. And, you know, they've been talking with the Phillies since before spring training and uh, couldn't reach a deal until the weekend. And, Good for Aaron Noll and uh, good for his uh, representatives. That's uh, If they didn't play the market, they got the best deal out of the market. So good for them and him. And good for the Phillies, I assume. Even though seven years for a pitcher, I don't know if I'd ever do that. That would be tough for me to do, but we'll see how it goes. All right, next two hours, it'll be the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, including phone call time to 602-260-1060. And a whole lot of football analysis, local and or national. So stay college and or pro. Uh, stay tuned for all of that. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thank you very much for listening.